Rick, good morning. Why, good morning, Ty. Tell me all about the farm. Well, I'm a fifth-generation farmer, fourth-generation on this farm, established in 1895. I farm full-time. I've not always farmed full-time, but currently right now I'm, I am. I raise, uh, I've got a little over 100 head of cattle. I'm a small farmer, by all means, oh, less than 600 acres, mostly cattle, four cats. That's about what the farm consists of, Ty, right, right now, currently. What's on the tour list today? I've got some cow-calf pears to take to pasture. Uh, my wife, she works in the morning. She helped me this weekend, but she was glad to go back to work this morning. <laughs> you get back to work and relax a little bit. I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the best part of growing up on the farm for you? Watching my father, the culture, and that's probably my biggest fear is that we're losing this great culture, this agricultural culture, where you get off the school bus and mom's got cookies waiting for you. You have breakfast in the morning with both your parents. You don't see too many violent farmers. This culture is very laid back. We still, we still wave at everybody. I don't care who you are, we wave at you. I hate to lose that, and I'm trying really, really hard to save it. That's what it was like growing up on the farm, catch crawdads, and ring hogs, and worked. But you, that was part of it. You know, We picked up 10,000 bales, little square bales a year. That's just part of growing up. You can learn a lot baling hay, can't you? You sure can. What sweat is, what hard work is, the value of that dollar that you make, or in my case, 50 cents uh, when Grandpa would pay me at all. But it just kind of taught you some valuable lessons. It did, and you'll never forget the rhythm of that baler. It just kind of gets in your blood. Kids don't have that opportunity to make that kind of money anymore. We had a little crew. We made money and had fun doing it. You must have been a creative kid on the farm because, you know, as a cartoonist, there's so much creativity and ways to think outside of the box about every single issue that's out there. When did drawing come into play for you? Well, my mother said that I started drawing on the toy box when I was four, and uh, I sold cartoons to the kids on the bus when I started going to school. Uh, the Peterson boys bought every cartoon I or every illustration on the bus. And I drew in school, took four years of art school. In fact, when I went to graduate, my art teacher said, I, I can get you a scholarship, a $2,500 scholarship. He said, uh, are you interested? And 1978, $2,500 would have gotten me a long ways in school. But growing up on the farm, Ty, it was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, why would I want to do anything different? You know, this is what I grew up doing. This is what I know. So it didn't, you know, I didn't think about it until the farm crisis the 80 hit so hard that my father said to me he said you know things are pretty tough here on the farm he says so one of us is going to have to get a job and i've been here longer <laughs> i went to work uh, for a manufacturing facility for 22 years and worked part-time one of your latest cartoons is one that really caught my attention it, it's four blocks and and it starts out on the top left block with talking about how you know every everything's done on the farm you get your food on the farm you make your money on the farm and the second block to the right of that talks about how you have to get a job in town to make ends meet on the farm and then on the bottom left it talks about working two full-time jobs and leasing the farm out to somebody else and then the bottom right hand corner is is a picture of the future in 2025 and it, it's the dad telling the son yeah our family had a farm once uh, that really kind of hit home and I imagine it's relevant to a lot of people in farm country and and really all over the country yeah, it really is and it I tried to be somewhat specific with the time periods and how it related to my life. You know, growing up in the 60s, both my parents were on the farm. In fact, in the 90s, dad took a part-time, he was a sub-mail carrier to help farm the same amount of ground. And mom sacked groceries at the local store 
And then uh, in 2015, farming has goes into its cycles, but each time it goes into a cycle, we lose a little bit more. And 2015 was a really, really tough year, but two years prior to that, it was one of the best years we've had. I'm looking at retiring. I'm at that golden age of the average American farmer at 58, and in 10 years, which is about 2025, I'm not saying that I would sell the farm, but there's no one that's going to be following me in the family that is interested in farming. And that's with a lot of families. I talk to a lot of people and you look around, I look around the neighborhood and my neighbors are my age or older and I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. 40% of our agriculture land is probably going to change hands in the next 10 to 20 years. How much does your craft help you? I know that it helps a lot of farmers maybe chuckle off the fact that we're seeing low commodity prices and things in farm country aren't what they used to be, like you said, three, four, five years ago. But how much is that really kind of helping you through it as well when you draw those out? Well, not all cartoons are funny. Some people think that they should be funny, but I read a lot of farm papers. There's a lot of different views. I've been writing and I've been drawing most of my life. And I recently discovered that the only person that makes people happy is the one that's driving the ice cream truck. And that's kind of what I try to do is I try to not so much my opinion, but try to open up those doors of thought. And that's where you get, you know, pictures worth a thousand words, but everybody's words are different. Some people will look at an illustration and see one thing and someone will look and see something else. And I try to open up those doors. And agriculture is what I know. I've been on that uh, agricultural political stage now for 22 years. I would like to get off of that. And and I'm doing that with social media. I'm trying to be a little bit diversified. I probably need to do a little that on the farm too, (laughs) diversified. I have to change the way that, that I do my job. The reason that Farm and Country Radio came to be is because there's this huge gap between the farmer and the consumer, and, and consumers want to know more about where their food comes from and want to know more about that farmer, the ones that I talk to every week. How has that changed what you do as a cartoonist? Are you finding yourself drawing more and more of these cartoons, You know, some for the farmer, but maybe some maybe to get the message to the consumer about what's going on? Yes. Uh, a year ago, I hadn't heard much about organic farming, and, and it's difficult to pinpoint a customer in the farming business because basically your customer's the future's market. You know, you don't really pay much attention to where the product goes after it goes to the grain elevator or wherever it goes, the farmer's market. But this opened up my eyes, and it's a great opportunity for me because now I've seen a whole different direction in farming. I think it's very important, and I actually did this, and, and I encourage everybody to do this. Is uh, And I did this specifically in the meat department because I raised beef. And uh, I asked where that meat came from, and they couldn't really answer the question. The, uh, the behind the counter couldn't answer that question. So I called all the corporate offices and talked to the PR people and got the answers that I wanted. I called not only the producer, but I also called as a consumer. That's very, very important. I'm even more interested in where my food comes from because I grew up in an era where we canned everything out of the garden. We supplied our own food, and each generation is doing less and less of that. We're relying more on our corporate food instead of uh, self-sufficient. Not everybody has that opportunity. There's billions of people out there that can't grow their own food. 
they rely on the farmer to do so. So the farmer has to be also listen to the customer, and the customer also has to listen to the farmer. I think this, we're opening up a lot of doors. You're doing that with your radio show, and I'm trying to do that with my cartoon. I'm trying to close that gap. We all need to be on the same page. I've got friends, good friends that grow organic or non-GMO crops, and I have good friends that grow genetically modified crops. There's a market for both, but we need to educate ourselves on those. Rick Friday hails from Lorimer, Iowa, and he's a cartoonist. He's also a beef farmer there in the Hawkeye State. Uh, We're going to put a link to his page on farmandcountryradio.com. I encourage you to go and take a look at his cartoons. Just because they're called cartoons, they are funny in some aspects. They are serious in others, and they are thought-provoking. And all in all, every single one is a snapshot of America and agriculture. And Rick, I really appreciate you taking time for me today on Farm and Country Radio. And thanks for all you do, not only there on the farm, but on paper as well. Thank you very much, Ty. I appreciate this.